0: Hi, I'm Connor Byrne, and this is That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. Today, I am speaking to Connor Archibald, co-founder of Tracksuit. What is Tracksuit, I hear you ask? Well, it is the beautiful, always-on, and radically affordable brand tracking for modern consumer brands. Tracksuit has come into the market to help scaling brand marketers have good conversations with their C-suite, on those top funnel metrics they've come in and created something that is affordable and more accessible and they're disrupting the market for the better tracksuit is backed by none other than former guests james herman and mark ritson not a former guest yet today we talk about how tracksuit came about the problem it is solving for and the difference it is making talk about how connor and his co-founder matt are growing their business how they're managing to maintain their culture and stay focused on what really matters. This isn't just an episode about brand tracking. It is about the difference it can make to a business. And it's also about how scale-up is helping scale-up more scale-ups. Oh, and I also try and talk Connor into my other podcast ideas. So keep listening for that. If you need help to grow your business through marketing, get in touch and see how we can help through our range of services on That's What I Call Marketing.com. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to get notified of when our next episode lands. Today's episode of That's What I Call Marketing is brought to you by the Indie List, Ireland's leader for freelance marketing, creative, and digital talent. The Indie List provides easy access to hundreds of highly experienced and vetted experts across the marketing services business quickly and cost effectively. You can check out their full range of services at IndieList.com. Duh, I e. Connor, thanks a million for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. My first namesake on the podcast. I'm,
1: I'm just delighted. Connor meets Connor. That's it. The name is yeah. done. That's it. We'll, we'll, we're done now. At least you have the proper spelling. So apologies for bringing this um rubber spelling to the podcast. Mm. I'll have to talk to your Irish born father about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <It's> his <laughs> fault. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Uh your you're in New York at the moment, but you're from New Zealand. You have some Irish heritage. Tell me a bit about, like, a bit about your background and, and kind of where, how you've ended up where you are.
1: How long do you have? Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I yes, you said Irish parents, uh, but I was born in the states in California, and I moved to New Zealand. when I was eleven, so a um, bit of a bit of a motley crew of uh, passports there, I guess you could say. Um And yeah, I grew up in New Zealand, started my career there, went to university there, and I'm in New York now um, with Tracksuit, uh, our company, getting the team onboarded and set up over here. Um, and I'll be back in New Zealand uh, in November. We're flying all the team back and, and we'll be there for another stint. Uh, so, okay. yeah, great. Well, I want to get it into Tracksuit.
0: So that's really what we're here to talk about. But interestingly, like you, if I'm right, you studied to be a lawyer. So Like you didn't go to university to be a marketer, am I right?
1: Certainly not. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> no, no, like, no, it's almost the, it's the other way. I'm like so glad I'm here instead of being a lawyer. Um, I studied law and finance, so oh, wow. yeah, just very great, grateful to be out of that sphere <laughs> yes, and into yes. the marketing sphere. Um, uh, much more exciting and interesting. Sorry to my old law boss if you're listening, which you won't be fine. Um, yeah, so no, I yeah, studied law and finance. I was a lawyer for four years. That was that was interesting and I learned a lot. Like that was very helpful. Um, and then I wanted to get into startups as people do. Um, so but there wasn't that there weren't a lot of ways to do that in Little Old New Zealand then. So uh I worked with one of our leading VCs to venture capital firms to launch uh, an excel our first accelerator program in Auckland. Um so we raised a small fund together and then Brought a bunch of startups in and that was kind of my way of like learning about the startup world without having any idea of what to do. Um yeah, and then I joined a, a marketing tech business um tech. called Mishguru is a Snapchat third-party app. And I was I was the generalist, I was the ops nerd, um, <laughs> doing all the back-end stuff, the invoicing. And, and that was, it was phenomenal. We, we grew very quickly. Um, we were the, we were the enterprise solution for Snapchat and um, worked with people like McDonald's and Paramount Pictures. And there was, it was a wild ride. We opened up offices in Sydney, Berlin, and New York. And that landed me over here um, in New York for the first time. And, uh, but we sort of, snap, we followed Snapchat's trajectory. We like grew really quickly and then we flatlined for about nine quarters. And that was, that was Learned a lot is the um, great way to talk about that. Uh, yeah, but it was hard, and that's but that's where I went. My co-founder of tracksuit, Matt, and so he was he ended up as head of APAC, and I ended up as COO, um, and we kind of grew that business as, as far and as long as we could. So, you
0: tell me a bit about tracksuit. Um, first of all, for people who are listening who don't know what tracksuit is, maybe we'll start there, and then we get into more detail on it.
1: Yeah, so tracksuits, beautiful, affordable, always-on brand tracking, uh, meaning that we do tons of consumer surveys. Ten million um, first-party data points collected last month, and we tell uh, brands what people think and feel about them through conducting those surveys. Yeah, it's it's the oldest um, form of you know market research, going yeah. around and asking people what they think and feel about brands and but we've kind of automated it and made it um much more beautiful and easy to use uh, the the idea you know for tracksuit i when i was in new york working with this other company i became kind of fascinated i was here for the rise of the direct to consumer mm-hmm. you know world and watched casper mattress and allbirds and warby parker and you know all amazing businesses cool brands but was sort of as an ops nerd, I was fascinated by this like ceiling that they often hit. You know, they like grow really quickly, and they have all these loyal fans, and then they stop raising money, and they and they can't grow anymore. Um, and so that was sort of the problem that I that was that we started with. And upon returning to New Zealand when um, COVID hit, and my first daughter was on the way, uh, met up with James Herman and also um, the the team at TRA, which is a, a recent market research company. And we just started like talking about this fascination, uh, and I guess my like software as a service nerdiness and and James's brand nerdiness and the market research companies TRAs market research nerdiness sort of combined to realize that you know under the guise of what gets measured gets managed um, you these modern companies were not tracking top of funnel and they weren't even aware of what their you know awareness consideration preference might be. And therefore, they had no reason to invest in it and to kind of communicate it to the board. So we thought, let's try and get the same data that you know, Pepsi and yeah. Coke and L'Oreal and you know Unilever brands have, and get that into these these boards um, and these C suites, and then and then hopefully they they will fix the way that they invest their marketing budget and, you know, think about the long and the short of it and think about all these other, you know, marketing science terms that, that we're aware of now, but that they have no idea. about. Um, how did you come up? How did you kind of get to that point though? Because I mean, as you say, like
0: you look at those brands and then you're kind of having conversations with the likes of James and others who are kind of like, what was the moment where you were like, that's the problem. The problem is they're not tracking
1: these metrics. When you, you know, James is, he, calls himself the brand custodian of a whole bunch of like growth brands he will go to their board meetings and talk to them about the importance of this stuff and so he has this experience of being in board meetings and them sort of just dumping all of the money into performance because of next quarter's targets and him standing there saying this is important this is important but not being able to get the message through and then when you you know switch it and you get the data to say, hey, our awareness is 4% and our biggest competitor's awareness is like 28%. We need to do something about that. And then the board sort of goes, well, that's that's very interesting. Thank you for pointing that out. We would love to award you with millions of dollars of budget. Um, and so it's it's purely just like getting the right metrics in and, and getting the, the, the discussion going in the right way um, and usually focused around numbers that helps... Yeah. Helps get that investment. So, yeah, it's it is. It comes down to that: what gets measured gets managed idea, and the fact that C-suite CFOs boards want to be able to point to that investment being successful or unsuccessful at the end of the day, and so they need something to measure it.
0: I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, there are platforms out there that that do this. Was it that it was cost prohibitive to go
1: with some of those other platforms, naming no names? Yeah, I mean the, the, the big players. We don't really come up against each other that much, to be honest, because they're they're a perfect tool for large enterprise companies, yeah. and we're a perfect tool for growth stage companies. Um, you know, and, and as we continue to grow, I'm sure that won't that won't always be the case, and they may launch something that's more down market focused. But you know, for now, it's we're we're kind of playing in our own spaces, and and uh, and it works it works really well. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons we're growing so fast is you have all of these marketers who are classically trained. They grew up at a Pepsi or a Unilever, and then they go join cool startup, D2C startup X or consumer fintech X and um, not X, the Twitter X, just uh, yeah. using that as a placeholder. Sorry. Very confusing now. Um uh, but you know, th- they go join those those smaller companies or up and coming companies, and they they miss brand tracking. And so, you know, when we talk to those people, they just say, "Oh, this is a no brainer. Like this is the same data that I had, um, and it's at a it's at a price point that I can can work with."
0: It's actually it's kind of interesting. I can definitely see how starting and scaling businesses you need that information. You need to know what do people know because otherwise, it's it's purely anecdotal. Like the salesperson saying, oh, "Everybody talks about this when we're talking to them." It's like, well, we talked to twelve people. Like, yeah. <laughs> like maybe, maybe that is representative. Maybe it's not. But well, let's go find okay. out.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and that's. I mean, we've we've had some success with that in New Zealand and Australia. To be perfectly honest, like there are lots of companies who have global trackers and then don't have trackers in New Zealand and Australia, um, and so that's been a great way to like test our product with big teams and big players, um, but at a, at a smaller scale. Uh, and now that we're launched into the U S and UK, you know, the size of company we're, we're dealing with has changed again. And definitely moving up market, uh, you know, someone like athletic brewing who, who are amazing. Um, one of the fastest growing private companies in America, they do non-alcoholic beer, but you know, they, they're a very large company by New Zealand standards, and, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're here, you know, they're, they're a perfect fit for tracksuit. Um, and so, yeah, the, it's, it's fascinating just as we're changing country, um, who we align with and who, where the need is strongest.
0: One of the things I, I read about the, the starting of tracksuit was, I found this fascinating. So you had an idea, you took it to a number of companies, like quite a lot of companies. Eleven of them bought the idea you didn't actually have anything built yet. is that true? Like you just basically brought bought sold them an idea, which is genius by the way
1: yeah, I mean in in a non dodgy way um we, you know you <laughs> we were like hey this this is a survey based product. we think we can do it, you know and it was like we were like here, I think they it's a validation question, really, so I believe that you can have a hundred conversations. And by the end of those 100 conversations, you'll have an idea of what your positioning is and whether your idea is worth pursuing. Um, And by the 68th conversation, you're right, 11 of them had basically committed upfront contracts. And what we said was, you know, we're going to deliver you with awareness, consideration, preference, brand sentiment, and we'll deliver that to you every month. Um, And maybe for the first few, it'll be a slide pack. Um, but we're going to get get started on building this thing um, as soon as we have 10 people committed. And so, you know, 10 and 11 signed pretty much on the same day. So we were like, cool, let's go build it. We, we, we hired a dev and, um, wow. and we started building and actually within the first month we did produce a, a dashboard. It was kind of a white labeled version, um, you know, but we produced a dashboard based on the data we collected. And then, Um, You know, we had that validation and Matt, my co-founders, just amazing at having conversations and turning them into sales. Uh, And so he closed another bunch of brands and then we kept building and made version two, which was better. And and then, yeah, now we're sort of on version four after two and a half years. And we've got around 330 clients um, tracking 3000 brands globally. Uh, And so, yeah, it's it's kicked on and
0: yeah we're having a blast that's huge that is amazing what was it about those early conversations that you were having that was connecting with people because again like you've said look, you're not from the marketing world okay i know james and you know he i don't know if he was part of those conversations i would you know fully be convinced by him if he was is he, <laughs> he was. yeah. What, like what were those things that you were saying that people were kind of going oh yeah th- like this is this is
1: the, the magic that we need i guess I I mean, I think like Matt and I, we come from software as a service and from the technology side and more like a, we're like business model innovation, right? Yeah. And so by talking to James and the TRA team, we got all this input of what brand and market research could do and and needed. And then, you know, we sort of looked at it from more like a business model perspective. We would go talk to heads of marketing or heads of brand and say, you know, you know, do you have brand tracking? And they would just be like, no. And we'd be like, why? And they'd be like, well, it costs $120,000. we'd be like, do you want brand tracking? And they would say, yes. And would like, do you Have you ever had brand tracking? Well, yeah, when I worked at XYZ. And you'd be like, okay, so you know how to use it. You want it. What would you pay for it? And they would be like, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 grand would be great. And we were like, okay, sign this document and we, we will did. give you brand tracking for... Ten to twenty
0: k. That's incredible. It's and because I was wondering as well that kind of particularly the early part. Like, was there concerns or questions around the validity of the, you know, the surveys and you know statistical significance and all that? Did that come up? It must have.
1: Definitely, people would ask. But you know, we were working with TRA. They sort of had our backs, and they they're a well-known name down in New Zealand and Australia. So, you know, we we didn't have those. We people would ask, and we'd say, well, this it's you know, essentially being built and backed by TRA. Uh, and people would say, oh, great. Well, we love them. So, cool. <laughs> yes. oh. And then, you, and you flag, you know, I just like flat, I had like James Herman's face on a little thing that I would flash in front of my own and say, it's fine. Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> um, you talk there about it, it, the, the C-suite and kind of the, the metrics not getting into, into the C-suite. And like, I, I definitely see that as, as a, as a huge challenge, right? And, is have you found that just and getting the data is enough, or or has there also been a job to do to educate the C suite? I mean, I know James has done a huge amount of that. Like, you do you find that's needed then as well? It's not like we sell the solution, but we also need
1: to help educate. I think a big part of the success on the usability side of TrackSuite is we've like scaled back what brand tracking is. You know, we I went to I went to a bunch of meetings where brand tracking slide packs were handed over to marketers and, and like senior leadership at companies. And then I would sort of hang around afterwards and I would ask them to pull out the the few slides that they really cared about and the ones they would share internally to get buy-in. And almost across the board, they pulled out the same five slides from these hundred page slide packs. And those are the five tabs of the tracksuit dashboard. So what are those five tabs? Can
0: you, or, or do yeah. I,
1: so, I for so funnel you know awareness, consideration, uh, usage, and preference, and then you have like a profile tab which breaks each one of those down into who the people are that are in you know those who are aware of you. This is these are the demographics. This is the demographic breakdown, um, and then you have the like imagery. So an open text box question: What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about brand? and then you have statements so what do you care about brand we want to be ethical we are sustainably sourced um you know we've got good customer care and then you put those in and people get rated um on those qualities against their competitors and then just a timeline view of all of that information over time over oh, time in different graphs so um, and so we're collecting surveys every single week. And so the numbers are sort of moving, but it's a rolling average of the last thousand responses that they're getting.
0: That's So that's definitely one of the things I wanted to ask you about a bit, which is like you've made it more accessible and in terms of cost, but also in an organization, if I'm right, that access is not a thing that's too the maybe privileged few for wrong, want of a better word. But like, you know, I've seen that before. It's like, well, yeah, no, it kind of, to give that person access, so it's open. Like an organization buys tracksuit
1: everyone can use it. Yeah, there's no limit on seats. We want people to invite their agencies in. You know, media, creative, PR, get everybody in there. Everyone should be working off the same data to understand whether what they're doing is working.
0: I mean, that's that is great because there is that. You know, or
1: do you know what
0: I've often seen as well? It then became someone's job. To make the data accessible. Like, I've seen that. Like, not, that seems crazy. Tone so you're spending a ton of money on limiting the access, and then someone is hired <laughs> these weekly reports. And um, not, you know, that's someone, I'm not having to go at someone's job. But anyway, it seems crazy. But one of the things I I have seen before is a misunderstanding of what you're seeing. Like, have you come across that as like people are going, well, I've looked at this today and tomorrow, and you know looks like our awareness has gone through the roof, and you know, not people not looking at their own average or taking time into consideration. Have, have
1: you seen that as an issue or or not? Educating people through, "Hey, here's a great case study, here's how you use it. Here's, here's the right way. So it's it's basically just all education through wow. blogs and case studies and saying like, this is how you use brand tracking. Um but the the other thing that's nice is that a lot of our customers have used brand tracking before. Yeah. So a, the chan the internal champion who's signing up initially has used brand tracking, they're familiar with it, and then they're saying this is how you use it, this is how you communicate with it. Those who those who haven't used it before um, they sort of go through a slightly different onboarding process where we give them a lot more content, you know, because when someone signs up, it takes about three weeks to gather st- statistically significant surveys? surveys. That's wonderful Oh man, every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> just have some more water, hold on. Um <laughs> it takes about three weeks to gather statistically significant surveys. And so we have this three weeks in which we sort of send them like. This is what awareness means. This is what preference means. This yeah. is how the funnel works. And you know, now that we're tracking three thousand brands, we also have benchmarks. Like we can say, this is how fast these categories are growing. This is this is what you can expect to be. You know, looking for this year. This is this is a, an appropriate goal. And so people aren't saying, well, we're going to go from ten to thirty-five percent awareness this year. It's like, no, your category the average awareness growth in your category last year was 4%. So really good, you know, would be six, maybe. Right. Um, and so like, that's, that's where we sort of sit um, in this, like where it's almost a little more open source. It's like, here's all of this data, here are yep. all the benchmarks and everyone should be making decisions about top of funnel aligning around the same stuff. Which
0: is brilliant. Like there's it's, it's so much there, like, for you know, that managing expectations for a marketer, like that's brilliant. So that, you know, tick box. But also the shared language, I, you know, an understanding of what these things mean. So having that time to explain to people this is what we mean, this is what benchmarks are, is hugely. Uh, I guess it's empowering then for marketers that they're able to have proper conversations around this stuff.
1: Yeah, and something else is really interesting. I mean, this is this is kind of slightly related, but like, I think if you, you know, what brand tracking is, you go gather a bunch of data, and then you present it and a dashboard um, or slides and then you the next job to do is to derive insights from that data and then the next job to do is to create strategy from those insights and so it's sort of like this three-part process and so far brand tracking has basically just been the collection of data and the presentation of that data um, sometimes there are insights included but you know you need someone to dive in and actually yeah. like go through everything um, i think where you know if you think about the evolution of brand tracking and how we can continue to add value to our customers it's sort of like cool we've collected the data that's table stakes we've got statistical significance what are the insights from that and you know with large language models and with ai these days it's it's very easy to start surfacing insights across so many categories and so many brands. And so you can start saying, hey, this is this is relevant for you to pay attention to, whether it's just this age group and this demographic, things are declining and this one's increasing. What have you done in that space over the last six months? And then the strategy is like, do that again or stop doing that. And you know, going back to what we were talking about with the C-suite and board, rather than logging in and seeing a whole bunch of graphs yeah. that mean nothing to them, they can just, the first page they land on is you know, awareness is increasing with women between 25 and 34. Um, and it's increased 6% over the last three months. And that's like, whoa, that's significant. Yes. I care about that. Yes. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't have to look at any dashboards or any data, they just get the insight. And that's the most important thing. You are listening to That's What I Call Marketing, a partnership with the Indie List,
0: where you will find experienced and vetted marketing talent, people like me, and also people who design and people who write. You get the idea. Check out theindielist.ie. You are listening to That's What I Call Marketing. Do you need help growing your business through marketing? Well, check out our services at That's What I Call Marketing.com. Get in touch today and see how we can help. That's amazing, kind of having. Um, so what do you know what I mean that they can ask the question of the marketing you're like what's happening here like why are you able to you know given i guess the scale of a market like the us are you able to create um like groups in different parts
1: of the states if you want to do tests I, you know because that that's a hugely important thing are you able to do that um right now we're very focused on you know like just being the best brand tracker in the world, and that's that's what we're good at, and we're driving that wedge in very hard. So we sort of lean away from campaign um, or any other type of measurement. So that's that's where we play um, right now. But yeah, I think the the interesting thing about brand tracking is, you know, once you once a customer uses us for brand tracking, you know, we sort of become their trusted source of data. They're logging in once a month, you know, every every couple times a quarter. They're downloading reports. Those go to the board. And very often they're coming to us with like, hey, you know, how often do people buy these types of products? They're like, I want to do some packaging testing. I want to do, and so we're starting to experiment with what other products we can tack on on top of brand tracking that are super valuable for our clients.
0: How do you keep that level of focus? Because you know, it it, it must be tempting, you know, when you you're with clients and they're like, oh, how about this?
1: Like I've just done right. Stick this on. Do this. Totally. I mean, and I think that's one of the, I think Matt and I have both been in other companies that didn't work for a multitude of reasons, but one of the avoidable reasons, there are lots of unavoidable ones, but one of the avoidable reasons is lack of focus. And so we've come into this very intentionally saying, we're going to do this one thing. We're going to drive a wedge in really deep, really hard with this one very good product. And then we'll expand once we've, once we've feel like we've got you know market saturation with that um so we say no a lot right uh, and each other that we we think yeah. nah i'd say we're kind of yes men to each other but to other you know we're like, no no we're good we challenge each other it's it's a very healthy relationship to be honest it's um we work very well together uh yeah. and so yeah we say we do say no a lot and you know it's just, it's it, that's what's making us move a lot faster than we would otherwise. Yeah. Um, it, 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 that's easy
0: to say, but hard to do, you know? I think that's very admirable. We're trying. Just one foot in front of the other over here. Well, and one of the things that I also find interesting is, like, you are a scaling business. You know, you're growing, you're getting funding, you're adding people to your team. And so... How are you approaching that, you know, as well as you're trying to, you know, do what you're doing, but then there's all this other stuff. I mean, you're, you're into ops, so I'm sure you're you a very organized guy. <laughs> I
1: mean, I, I try there. I'm, I'm a generalist, so I'm like 80% good at everything and then hopefully hire someone who's much better than me at everything. Um, but yeah, we, we are very intentional about how we scale as well and, one of the things that when we launched, we were we were bootstrapped for the first kind of two years. So first 20 months, we didn't raise any funding. We used that 110K from those first 11 clients to fund the product build. And then, you know, we got more customers and we were able to hire a few more people. Um, but only in, in January this year, we raised a seed round and we sort of doubled in size from a revenue perspective since then. But we've also... Grown from, I think we were 14 men. We're now 52, so you know, and we've launched offices in Australia, the US, and UK. So like things are, things are now growing um, much quicker than they were initially. And in that initial period, we spent a lot of time thinking about you know our values and and what we how we want to build this business. And um, it was fun. A funny thing that Matt and I discussed at the start was like we were actually a little bit sick of Martech at the time. We were like we we did Martech like maybe we should help the environment or like, you know, go into like plant-based protein or do something that will feel like, like we're changing the world from a carbon footprint point of yeah. view. Um, and then tracksuit, this opportunity, like reared its head. Like we were having those conversations with customers and they were committing and we were like, Oh my God, this is, this is true. Product market fit. And, and I think at that time we realized actually, this is what we're good at right? and this is how we can add the most value and you know there's like that learn earn return framework so we've done a lot of learning in martech and and hopefully now we can build something that's that's um good and and helps us kind of like build a massive team and and while we're doing that we the the impact we can make is actually changing the way that billion dollar businesses are built and yeah. so you know we've we've leaned into hard things from the start we have transparent compensation um we've made you know, very hard decisions to ensure that, you know, we're always like hitting our diversity and, and equity goals and we we want to maintain like a really good work life relationship while we're building this company, which is not something that a lot of billion dollar companies manage to do no. um in the in the high growth tech space. And yeah. so yeah, we we challenge ourselves constantly on that front to say like, is this is this a decision we need to make? Right now, yes, we might grow a little bit faster, but is it putting any of these other goals at risk? Um, and so we try very hard to to make sure that our culture is maintained while we scale. And that's why I'm in New York right now. It's like we could have hired people here and kind of let them go after sales and you know deal with customers, yeah. but they wouldn't have understood the tracksuit culture. And so I'm here for three months to make sure that... Um, we're laughing and, and having a good time while we're doing it. But,
0: I mean, it's so important to get that right. You're right. I mean, it's easy to find people who will do what you need them to do, but actually doing them, doing it the way, you know, there's the what and the how, right? Like, you know, how they go about is really important. And like when you were talking about that, like you your, you know, should you be going into, you know, doing something sustainable? And I was thinking, well, like what you're doing now is, is giving probably companies who might be doing that the opportunity to measure what they're doing and grow, you know, so like it, it, the knock on effect. And then when you're, you know, when you're multimillionaires as well, you'll probably do great stuff. <laughs> what, well, so, oh, so, hey, hey, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Come on. Don't, don't
1: say it out loud. Well, it's like... Knock on wood somewhere. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. No, I yeah, I think, I think you're right. And we, you know, now that we've, now that it's reached some like level of scale and we've gotten to this point of working with, you know, a couple hundred brands. We're we're realizing that, like, by helping you know up and coming brands scale, who are thinking about sustainability and like sourcing the right kind of products and fair pay for farmers and things like that. Yeah. Like, that's that's a better world, and so we are really grateful for that, and mm-hmm. and that makes us um, feel like we're making a difference.
0: Yeah, and it, do you think your position as a kind of a scaling company helps you in conversations with those companies because you're like you're in the room with people you're like look we get we get this and you know does that help
1: yeah and there's other things you know i think our positioning we speak to brand marketers rather than insights teams or you know we're, we're more focused on the founder cfo and brand marketer relationship um so that helps and and then being in the same stage, we're talking to the same investors. Like, you right. know, we go, we we released a blog um a few weeks ago, um, written by the very talented Ellie, who's our content lead. But she, you know, she was able to get quotes from Lair Hippo and and Red Antler, these like very prominent um consumer funds and consumer agencies in New York who are have seen this problem firsthand and they're saying, like, hey, we really want to start paying attention to top of funnel you know rather than just dumping money into performance and making sure that we hit next month's growth goals it's it's actually we're going to start paying attention to top of funnel we're going to invest in awareness and we're going to we're going to manage it and over time we're going to build successful companies and so you know them aligning with how brands want to grow in a more sustainable way uh, is really important and we're in those conversations so um i think that's important it it like it's so important because it there's
0: a shift like there feels like there's a shift and you know the the you know not that there's a move away from performance marketing nor should there be but like there's a there's a more of an understanding in fairness you know I think and I spoke to James but you know his book is helping like just capturing current demand and creating future demand like there's there is that shift happening and it's great to see you know you're part of that conversation because it's only helping right
1: yeah yeah and that. That little framing is such a good example of how like changing the design or changing how you communicate a, what marketers think is quite a simple term, but changing how you frame it with the board and C-suite to, from brand equity to future demand and seeing how they jump at that. And they're like, oh, we do want future demand. Definitely. Yeah. Um, brand equity seems fluffy. I have no idea what that means. Future demand. Love that for us. Let's go on that journey a hundred percent. When you're thinking about then
0: obviously your own demand. Like you need to capture current demand, create future demand. How are you going about that? And how are you measuring your your future and current demand? I mean,
1: we, we do have, we have a tracksuit tracker for tracksuit, um, which is pretty fun. Uh, it's a small, it's a small segment of the world that we're surveying. So, uh, you know, it's, it's got statistical, it's got limited statistical significance, but um, yeah, cause we don't do, we don't do B2B. We're purely consumer. So it's kind of a, a fun play in the background, but we do measure it and it is interesting. Um, and, you know, we're building, I think like we lean, we're leaning into community brand marketers have never really had any support, at least for the last kind of 15, 20 years, growth marketing got really cool. It would sort of swan into the offices at 10 AM and just kind of like chuck a few dollars into Facebook and be like, bam, just made a bunch of money. See you later. I'm going to go have a cocktail. Um, And then now creative is coming back into vogue. It's like creatives now are coming in. Creative effectiveness is is having another moment. Yeah. And, you know, we're there to support those people in in proving their arguments. I love that. You need to do a little um, video about what the growth markers did. I can see it already.
0: Very creative, actually. Um, (laughs) And it is great to see creative coming back. Like, uh, You know, you see stuff and, you know, the the guys from always sunny in Philadelphia with their four pillars and they have that ad and like, it's just charming. It's witty. Like, and I think that's brilliant stuff and great conversations to, for, for brands to be having and tricky growing brands. It's definitely, might definitely hold us a pretty strong view that
1: creativity can help unlock growth, you know, without a doubt. Totally. Yeah. And we found, we found like agency, we're, we're partnering with a ton of agencies, not as customers, but, you know, they're finding, so a brand will become a tracksuit customer and then they'll invite their agencies into the dashboard. And all of a sudden, whether they're media or creative or PR, all of a sudden those agencies, they're like, we look so good. Like we did this big thing and their awareness went up 3%. And now, now we have something to point to. I think an important thing that gets lost, especially in the growth stage is You need to like constantly be investing in brand. It's like take that one huge investment you have in November and split that across every month and try to just build on it every single month because what people were doing when they could only afford an annual dip was they would do their huge brand campaign in November. They would do a dip in December and they'd be like, our awareness went up. This is great. And then their share of mind sort of drops. And actually for the rest of the year, they suffer and then they do it again the next year and maybe it goes up a little bit but or it's stagnant and it's sort of fine. But if you track it all year, the agency and the brand realize that it falls off about three months later and then they start investing regularly and it ends up better for everyone because the agencies get to do better work. The brands grow consistently and um and and we're there to help them do it. Uh yeah, I mean that's
0: it's such a great point as well. And also probably helps as well with you mentioned consistency, but consistency of work and not, you know, doing something different every time they're doing something, you know, talk to a lot of people on this podcast about like the boredom in marketing is us. Like we get bored of our own work, not no one else. Yeah. Nobody cares. And most people don't see it. <laughs> so it's like,
1: yeah. Jay, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I know you've spoken to James and you might've even used this analogy, but he, he often will talk about um, Warren Buffeting, your brand investment. You know, it's just like the same thing every single week or ever. And you're just putting that into that long-term investment. And then you're day trading on your performance side. So it's like, go play around with day trading, do that every day, see if you can get a few gains, And but just Warren Buffet that brand. Every month, same investment, same thing, over and over and over again. And uh, yeah. It works. Yeah, it does. People don't get bored. Uh, you, we've talked about James Herman a bit,
0: and I, Mark Ritson has involved well act as well. So the, the two of them, probably a ton of others, but they're well known, well regarded names. And um, how, like, how important has that been for your your journey?
1: I mean, I think coming out of New Zealand when everyone just thinks you're like a, a bunch of hobbits, um, <laughs> it's really nice to have. <laughs> Some credible folks who are like, this is a real thing. They're 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 a real deal. Um and so yeah, James, you know, was able to speak in at the Cairn Lions Festival. Yeah. Um and he was up there representing Tracksuit, and that was awesome. Um and, you know, Mark Ritson, he is he's actually he's he's very good at not like placing us above others. He yeah. he uses our competitors, he uses us. Um he's very fair in that way but you know being on his radar is super important so he's he's been amazing and just like having a mention by mark ritson like our website hits go up i can imagine like 50 fold for a day you Yeah, know? and and so it's just phenomenal um and so yeah they they put us on the map initially and gave us that credibility that we needed to um to not be a bunch of hobbits
0: <laughs> but like but to really, like, you know, obviously, like, clearly clued in, switched on people who aren't going to do that, it,
1: this is, like, a pile of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we first spoke to Mark, first of all, that was great validation for us because that was still very early in our journey. Um, and to hear someone like that kind of say, yep, yeah, good job, um, meant a lot. And it meant that we had, some, you know, a couple extra um, long nights in the tank in in those early days. Uh, and, and then, yeah, he's helped us just by, by mentioning and sharing. And yeah, I'm sure great just knowledge as as
0: well to have, have around. What then kind of are the, are the plans you mentioned the markets you're in. So New Zealand, Australia, UK, and now the States that's core focus. What's like giving away the, you know, three to five year business plan. What's three to five year business plan.
1: I think we'll, we'll for now, five years is a long time in startup land. Like, I truly, that's a big question. I don't know. Um, but, like, I think for the next 12 months, we are focused on scaling the US and UK in the same way that we have New Zealand and Australia. Like, we want to, we're treating them like brand new startups. So, we've got our first kind of 30 to 50 customers in each region. We're leaning in, building a small team who will service those custom like over service those customers, yeah. make sure they're getting value and understanding whether our product market fit is the same because you know, there's always a question there of like is the same value being um generated for these clients and, and are they are they loving tracksuit as much? And and obviously it helps to be driving around and delivering them tracksuit tracksuits monogrammed with their initials and you know. They're so cool. Like I love when I see
0: like somebody new joins your team and they're in the tracksuit, they're they're deadly. Like,
1: they're so, was that why you called a tracksuit? Just so you could. Find I mean, the de- s- it definitely it was like on the it was on the radar. Like we were like, this will be fun. Like if we call it tracksuit, we can have a lot of fun with it. they will be, and and we want to like you know I think eventually. Um, it would be really nice, like, to have our customer to be like working with our customers. We'll have a customer fashion brand that produces a tracksuit. We could like co-brand it for the year. That could be like the tracksuit drop for that year. Right. And send it out to clients, partners. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants a monogram tracksuit, you refer us a client and get a tracksuit. Okay, so if anyone listens to
0: this podcast and goes and becomes a client of tracksuit, let me know because I want my tracksuit tracksuit. It <laughs> just me a
1: house filled with tracksuits. <laughs> right. I
0: need like a hundred smartless like code. Do you listen to the podcast smartless? Like you know, forward slash. That's my call marketing.
1: <laughs> give me forward slash. Give me my tracksuit right now.
0: Uh, well, there was and there was a picture of a few of the team and James. I think in white tracksuit somewhere. And I was just like, oh, I mean, it's just it's just it Just it doesn't stop, right? So it's just yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's sort of cool until like the first newspaper article that was ever published about me uh, showed up at a black tie investor event in a bright purple tracksuit and the newspaper article called me the Teletubby of the New Zealand startup scene. And I was like, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be taken seriously, but I didn't know that I was going to go like full Teletubby level. So um, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see.
0: Oh, that is so cool. Uh, I, I mean, I tried of I mean, growing this business is like huge. You have a, a young family Um, how are you staying sane? Like what's the, what's the balance?
1: I, I think, I mean, I, I, the things I'm working on, my co-founder sent me a really nice message um, over the weekend, uh, over the last week, knowing that I'm in New York and I'm going a bit um, hard on the hours. And like, this comes back to that culture point. Yeah. And he just said, you know, like, Hey, Next week I've put, I'm blocking out time in your calendar. You got to go for a run, three runs next week. And like, um, so we look at, we look after each other. It's, you know, it's not easy launching company and having a young family, but, um, we're trying to look after each other and make sure that we take holidays and, and, um, and yeah, again, do it in the right way. Uh, not have too much burnout or, um, crispiness, which we call it when you're like nearing burnout, just a little bit crispy. um, so I, I'm I'm working on that balance all the time, I think is ultimately the right the right way to say. Like I'm I do spend time with my family. I block out, you know, certain parts of the day yeah. and that's really important to me and that, that keeps me inspired. You know, it's 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 an evolution. Every every you know, this yeah. last little bit where we went from fourteen to fifty-two employees, that was like that's been a big six months and like over that time learning how to change your calendar and like how available you are and you know it's like a, it's it's a you have to innovate on the product and business side but you also have to like innovate on your this is future. this is how i show up this is who i am this is what my calendar looks like side so yeah um constant learning but uh yeah i think i think that you'll you'll make your way through it if people are looking after you um which is important because so is I think, great
0: ha- it's great to have yeah. that right that you have that, yeah someone looking out for you i think that the point you make about kind of how you change your leadership and dynamic. Cause like
1: being always available
0: to 14 people is easier than 52 when you get to 150, like, you know what I mean? It's just going to have to, have to change it. It doesn't mean you care any less. You probably care more because you want to make sure all those people continue to have a job.
1: Yeah. And, and it, I think you just always have to like be very strong in making decisions based on the values that you set out at the start. You know, it's like, like saying no, you know, we have our North Star, we want to be the best brand tracker in the world, like saying no to a lot of extra product developments and stuff that don't align with that North Star. It's sort of the same with like the company values and personal values, like you, you set those out, write them down, and then as challenges come up or as things change, you know, growing staff new geographies, new time zones. You just have to like look back at those values and say, this is how we make decisions in this company. This is how I make decisions. I'm going to do it in aligned with those values.
0: Well, I mean, look, thanks so much for your, your time today. Before you go, I have a, a very good friend of mine here who lives locally to me and his name is Connor. And for years, I've suggested to him that we should do a podcast called Pot What Will the Connors Do? And the premise of the podcast is people would come to us with their problems and we'd answer them. Now he hasn't really committed. So this is your chance to own oh, what would the Connors do. I, I you don't have to say yes now, Connor, but like just leaving it with you. Okay. I'll 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 take that and I'll think about it. Listen, it's an yeah. open offer and we can you know great yeah. great merch from that. We we'll come back to it another day. Listen, thank you so much for your time mm-hmm. today. I, I like I have been fascinated by watching the journey you've been on and the growth. And I think I, like I truly believe what you're doing is so valuable. I don't. like sound like I'm overstating that. I actually truly believe it is because marketers need this. CEOs, CFOs need this information to grow and kind of stop thinking about the short term and think about the long term more and get that balance right. So, huge um, congratulations and just best of,
1: best of luck and you know all the success in the world for for you and everyone at Tracksuit. Thanks so much, Connor. That means a lot. And and yeah, your support, your kind words, really appreciate that. So. Thanks for having me on. I'm um, I'm forever grateful and and actually just, you know, I'm like I'm like fanboying over here. So you know, it's like is <laughs> really cool. I Appreciate it. Thanks, civilian. All right. Cheers,
0: Connor. Bye. Well, let's see if what would the Connors do takes off. I suspect it will. Connor was fantastic to chat to. I love the singular vision and focus that they have. And I don't think I was overstating how important what they're doing is. If you are a new consumer brand in Australia, New Zealand, UK, or the US, and you aren't tracking your brand because you weren't able to afford it, now you can. You can create a shared language and understanding uh, metrics with your leadership. This is game-changing stuff. So that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to That's What I Call Marketing. If you need help, to grow your business through marketing get in touch and see how we can help through a range of services on that's what i call marketing.com and don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to get notified of when our next episode lands and you can also find all previous episodes on that's what i call marketing.com follow us on instagram on that's what i call marketing on twitter or x that's underscore marketing And you can watch all our episodes back on YouTube. Yes, you guessed it. That's what I call marketing. Thanks again to The Indie List for their support of this show. If you need experienced, excellent marketing talent, go to TheIndieList.ie. Don't go anywhere else. TheIndieList.ie.